Now it's a pleasure, a thrill to invite Rose to come and talk to us as part of our ongoing series on discipleship. This is an amazing passage of scripture and it involves all of us. It involves all of us. So Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon Rose. We thank you, Lord, for guiding her as she has prepared this word. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint her afresh this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're on episode 11 of our discipleship series. If you've managed to hear all 11, you're doing really well. And if you haven't, some of them are on the website. Go listen. So living from whom you really are, discipleship, learning to live like Jesus. I found a good quote about discipleship this week. It said it was God taking everything we have and us giving everything for the Father's vision. I wonder after last week, who can remember the central verse? Do we know it yet? Indeed. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And I found that cartoon version of fishing for people. Yes, so we've been looking at all the symbols. We've looked at the balanced triangle of the play button. So we've been looking at connection upwards with God. We've been looking inwards at character and community. And we've been looking calling outwards to fish for people. Over the last few weeks, we've covered up. That's follow me, connection with God. And up has included exalting, enjoying, encountering God, including powering up and starting with prayer, stopping and reading the word of God, hearing the voice of God, each of us in our own unique ways, and refreshing and responding in worship, likewise, each in our own styles. We've also covered in... I will make you, says Jesus, character change. He changes us. He transforms us inside. Character and community, our ideas, our identity, our behaviour. We've been looking at our ideas, God's big picture, God, creation, salvation, restoration. We've been looking at fast-forwarding to our new identities in Christ. I am loved. I am alive. I am seated in heavenly places. I am saved by grace. I am God's handiwork created for good works. All those things that we are in Christ. We've looked at repenting and ejecting stuff that isn't helpful, bringing lasting change, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've looked at recharging. Some of you will know I need to listen hard to this one. Recharging our batteries to live a healthy life. Caring for yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit, your emotion, your relationships, so you can be fruitful in every way. And then finally, last week, we looked at home. This is our church home, our church family. And we build family through those four Gs of giving. Giving of ourselves, our money, our talents. Giving freely as he's given to us. And we looked at the verse last week. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship and to the prayer. And this picture actually came up under devoted, I guess, because those little, that little baby penguin is being devotedly looked after by its parents. So there they are. 
And the other three Gs. So we've had giving and then groups. Get in groups, guys, because in groups, smaller groups, you can contribute more richly, you can get to know each other well, and you can grow. And you can use your gifts, varied, so that all of us benefit from all of what all of us are. So we have giving groups, gifting and growth that we did last week. That's a general vision for all Christians, but we also have a specific vision for this church, what we want to become. We want to engage in a renewed or charismatic way of life, including our Sunday worship. We want to connect with our local community, and we do in loads of ways. We want to be a church which resources other churches. We have teams of preachers and worship leaders, and we can send those out to help other churches. And we think about our values, prayer, especially the Lord's Prayer, especially your kingdom come, of loving God and neighbour, of letting the gospel be the only stumbling block, not our wrong attitudes, not our sins, not the way we judge others, only the gospel to be the stumbling block. Let the spirit convict and not the church condemn, there but for the grace of God go I. And every member missionary, every one of you is valuable and important and gifted and called to be part of this church. And so that's the summary of so far, that's the quick flick. And we move on today to out, our calling outwards. Ministry, mission and multiplication. Couldn't resist this. Not this sort of multiplication. No, 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 not that sort of multiplication. This sort of multiplication where we do grow more people. William Temple, Archbishop of Canterbury during the Second World War, is reputed to have said, the church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. We have a God of love. He gave his only son to die and rise again in order to bring us to him. And we, as his people, his body, are called to be the same as God, outreaching. The God of mission has a church. He chooses to use us. He doesn't choose to do it all directly. He chooses to do it through his body. In the passage from Ephesians that Diane read to us, Paul is in prison. And he begins by saying, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you've received, that calling to go out with the good news of Christ. I urge you, I beg you to lead such a life. The message version puts it like this. While I'm locked up in here as a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. It's hard to believe that's a version of the scripture, but it is. That's the message, guys. And Paul goes on to tell us to be completely humble and gentle. I love that word, completely thrown in there. Patient bearing with one another in love. We cannot witness to new people who come into our church. We cannot be a voice out there in the community and in our workplaces if we do not love and support and care for one another, pouring ourselves out for each other in acts of love, 
says the message. Barclay says, with a deep self-knowledge that makes us humble because we don't compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to Christ. And oh boy, do we not meet the mark when we do that. And so that makes us humble. We have undefeatable patience, never broken by misfortune or suffering or disappointment or discouragement, but persistent to the end. We never take revenge or retaliate. And Barclay says, like a big dog being plagued by a little puppy, but never snapping back at it. With agape love, that's the sort of love that means that nothing anyone does to me will make me seek anything but their highest good. We are united in Christ. We are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, to stay together both outwardly and inwardly really loving each other, not just the front while inside we think, oh, I don't really like them, don't like the way they did that, or etc., etc., but deeply preferring the other. The message says everything you are and think and do permeated by oneness, sacred oneness. I heard it described somewhere else this week. We are one body with one spirit flowing from father and son indwelling and empowering us one hope in the glorious gospel message of Jesus who died and rose for us one Jesus one Lord Jesus who we obey and live for he's the master he is the one with all authority and power and control the ruler one faith in him, the one who died for us, made one body with one baptism to cleanse us from all sin and reconcile us to the one God and Father who cares so much for us, he gave his son. The one God who is over all and through all and in all. There's no place where we're not with him. There's no time when he's not there. There's no person he can't reach. There's no part of us that we can hide from him. One God, yet Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in such perfect unity that they are one. And we are called to be like that God, so united in him that we live and move and have our being in him and we think as one person. And yet, we're all different. To each grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. We receive gifts from Christ's generosity. Jesus came down to be born on earth. He was crucified and he rose again and he went back up to heaven. And from heaven, he gives us gifts, our unique gifts and personalities, gifts he wants us to use. We don't look and speak and act the same. We all outwork the one message in different ways. And in particular, in verse 11, we're told Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, 
and some to be pastors and teachers. The topic for today, the little picture for today, going on with our play pictures, is is of an equaliser. And it talks about living from who you are. It's helpful for each one of us to discover what our particular gifts are. But we all have abilities in all of those directions. But God gives each one of us particular emphases. Some have callings to use those gifts of apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist and pastor (laughs) as leaders in God's church. Some just use them as leaders in their home or their community or their place of work. But we all have facets of those gifts to use. And they're used to encourage us to become united in faith, united in our knowledge of God, and to reach full maturity in Christ. Again, I love the message version of this. Until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. There's that sense of fullness, completeness, wholeness, nothing missing, perfect. Shalom in Hebrew. When we do use our gifts properly together, we get that wholeness together. So let's look a little bit more at the individual giftings of those five or four depending on whether you're Greek or English. If you want to know which of them you're strongest in, there is a survey online and it's written on the notice sheet. So go off and have a go at the questions if you'd like to and see what it says about you. So we have apostles. That's the 12 apostles in the picture. Apostles create and transform cultures. They're spokespeople, champions, says Wikipedia, vigorous and pioneering advocates or supporters of a particular cause. In our case, the good news of the gospel. The first 12 apostles were sent out by Jesus to tell the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what apostle means, literally, sent out. And we've also recently done that really specifically with the group that we've sent out to St. John's to establish a new church. Apostles draw together groups of believers and they build them into a unit. They take and shape new ground so it looks like Christ's kingdom. They try new ideas. They bridge barriers. They create Christian cultures. They develop leaders and teams. They're entrepreneurial They're not satisfied until the whole culture is transformed. You may also be apostle-like in wanting to transform the cultures around you. Maybe you work in the children's clubs. Maybe you work in a community group. Maybe in your home. Maybe in a school. The places where you are in your everyday life. You may be like an apostle who wants to change that culture. When we were at primary school, Mark's class was, was a quite interesting class because the parents worked together a lot. And actually, I was told later that was unusual. And I think it's because there were several Christians amongst us in that parental group. And so we did lots of things together. We had 
corporate parties with the whole class. We ran messy and sporty church and lots of Mark's class used to come along to that and the Baptist church. We transformed that class culture, the parents and the children, because there was enough Christians in it to be salt and light in that culture. Prophets. Prophets seek and communicate God's will. Wikipedia describes a prophet as someone in contact with a divine being and speaking on their behalf, an intermediary that delivers messages or teachings. Prophets give vision and direction to the church. They give clear goals for each church body. They know what's happening and they know what should be done. Again, you may be like that in your family, your place of work, your community. You may be able to listen to God and bring clarity in that place. You don't need to be Elijah or Jeremiah to be prophetic. We can all receive gifts of prophecy. God even spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. Since Pentecost, we have the Spirit of God available to us. It's available to every one of us, men and women, it says. So we can all receive messages to build up and encourage other people. But, obviously, prophecies should be tested. They can be wrong. We can get carried away with ourselves and not actually be listening to God. So prophecies should be tested. And those of appropriate character need to be the ones that give words to churches or the nation, or internationally. Prophets need humility and holiness and spiritual maturity. Matthew seven fifteen to 20 tells us, we will know false prophets by their fruits. You won't find grapes on thorn bushes or figs on thistles. So if you're a prophet but you're not showing works of God, you're not a prophet. Prophets are continually in God's presence. They are people of prayer. You can't give God's word if you don't regularly hear God and know him. And you can only get the discernment to know what is God's word if you devote time to God and he gives you revelation. Moses was a prophet who gave God's people of Israel the law for them to live by. Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa are modern-day prophets. They've tackled difficult issues. They've challenged society's structures. And they've revealed God's ways in the way they've lived out their lives and brought others with them on the road, having an immense impact on people. The church needs prophets. Prophets who will ask tough questions. Prophets who will challenge sin Prophets with a passion for truth and righteousness who can give a panoramic view and move the church. I found a quote that said, from boredom, from apathy, complacency, sleepiness, can make the church realise the amazing purposes God has for his people that he wants to fulfil in and through us. He wants people who in him are dynamic, are life-changing, are kingdom-building, are God-glorifying. Evangelists. 
Evangelists win and recruit people to Christ's mission. Evangelists have an infectious way of communicating God's heart, of sharing their own personal story, of making friendships and drawing people in. I found examples online again. The top prophet that came up was this guy here I've never heard of, Joel Osteen from Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Apparently his sermons go out to 7 million viewers weekly, 20 million monthly in 100 different countries. And on the right, I'm sure you'll recognise Billy Graham, who died this year in February, aged 90. And I'm sure you will know much about his indoor and outdoor rallies, his sermons that have been broadcast on TV and radio, and he was advisor to several American presidents. He's a great evangelist, and I wonder how many people have been brought to Christ through his ministry. Evangelists want to reach as many people as they can with the gospel in as many ways as possible. They go looking for the lost. I heard something else this week about if you want a holiday from church and you go away from church work to have a break, don't take an evangelist with you because you'll be sitting there by the lake and you'll be all peaceful and you'll be thinking, oh, this is relaxing. And then the evangelist will find the one other person by the lake and they'll be down there and they'll be sharing the gospel with them because they don't switch off. Their passion is to share the gospel. We can't all be Billy Graham's or like Paul or Mark in the New Testament, but we are all called to give an account of the faith we have when we're asked. We have a perfect opportunity coming up with just one. Actually, all we need to do for that is be brave enough to invite a friend along, and then J. John and others will give the gospel message for us. So please be praying for just one coming up very soon. And please think, is there somebody that I could be brave enough to ask to come along and get the Holy Spirit to tell you who? Pastors and shepherds, they nurture and protect community. They care for the needy, the injured, those in trouble. They're the sort of people that make a beeline for the lonely, the sad, They're great comforters. They love to cultivate stable, loving relationships, to create a strong sense of belonging. They love to gather people in their arms, like a mother hen does its flock of chicks. And they love to empower people and develop people to grow up, to advise, to counsel. I'm going to embarrass Steve now. Steve is a perfect example of a pastor, hospital chaplain for many years, and he so clearly has a heart for this flock. Bless him when I said what I was speaking on today. His first concern is, will it upset anyone? Will it hurt anyone? (laughs) Because he's got that pastor's heart that means he wants to protect this flock. Actually, in the Greek... Pastors and teachers are one category. If we think of a shepherd, he not only protects the sheep and keeps them safe, he also leads them to green pastures and by streams of still waters so they can feed and drink. And that's what the Latin passeri means. It means fed or grazed. So pastors and teachers may be one category. Teachers understand and explain truth. It's possible to have great knowledge but not be able to communicate it. 
Good teachers know how to make complicated things simple. In the church, we want people to teach the unchanging truths of the Bible through explaining, guiding, transferring knowledge and passion for God's word. We want to give people stable foundations of truth on which they can build their lives so they can grow up strong and mature in God, their lives on the rock, not on shifting sand. Again, many of us are teachers. We teach our children to talk, to walk. We pass on skills at work. They say you only have to be one step ahead to teach. Yet in the church, it's a high calling. James 3 tells us, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teachers' lives should match their words, or no one is going to follow their teachings, and God will not be honoured. Jesus, of course, models all of these things. He's an apostle. He was sent to earth by his father to transform our lives. He's a prophet. He was always listening to and communicating his father's will and words. I only do what I see my father doing. He was an evangelist. We see how he connected with people, sharing the good news. The woman at the well, Nicodemus. You see him in daily life, touching people's lives and knowing exactly how to do it. The pastor, full of compassion, the good shepherd that laid down his life for his sheep. And the teacher, rabbi, he gathered great crowds to hear his teaching and they said he teaches as one who has authority. When we have apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers all fully operational in the church, we will no longer be blown about by different teachings and the deceit of ungodly people. We won't be tossed into drugs or alcohol or greed or idol worship or ambition or selfishness or immorality or wrong relationships in attitudes. Instead, we will know and speak the truth in love. So we grow up into Christ our head. We will become like him. We will allow him to control and direct all we do. We as a whole body will be joined and held together, built up in love as each part does its work. United and effective. I like the expression, united we stand not divided we fall. Our hands will be caring and feeding us, our mouths will be speaking, our ears will be hearing, our minds will be receiving truths to keep and develop us in God's ways. Our feet will be walking us around, helping us to move constantly on the journey, keeping us healthy, helping us explore new things. Our eyes will see danger and help us avoid it. They will show us beauty to build us up. And our inner, unseen parts process so many things on behalf of the whole body. They receive what's good and they reject what's bad so that we grow. And we have that life-giving blood that pumps round to every part. 
Each of us needs to play our part through our primary motivations, through the particular gifts and strengths God's given us. We need to know our gifts. What has God specifically given me and called me to be? We need to find the things we're good at and use them for the benefit of the whole body. We need to be willing to grow our gifts. We don't grow by sitting in a chair thinking about them. We grow by using them and making mistakes and learning, by accepting teaching and correction so that we continually develop not complacent not proud but always grateful because we know the gifts are given from God initially and so we press on to the fullness of those gifts and the fullness of blessing others and glorifying God through them and we appreciate the different gifts of others. They will do things differently. They will think differently. And that's all part of our strength, of our fullness, of our completeness as one body, with each of us playing our unique part. And so we press on to our outward calling of ministry, mission, and multiplication. And this is part one in a series of four. And after Easter, we will be moving more to think about how we use our gifts and all of who we are to build up the body and to to send us out there to make God known. But for now, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you've called us to be one in you. And yet oneness does not mean we are all the same. Oneness means we have one vision, one desire to make you known, but we work that out in many different ways. Lord, help us to know who we are as individuals in you to be grateful to you for all you've made us to be and to grow as the people we are in you so that your body might be built up, so that your body might go out there and make you known to others. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.